from State Street in the heart of Chicago. You are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago. And this is Carmen and Yurko. Live from the old National Bank Studio. WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good Karma Brands radio station. Jeff Meller, Barstool Chief, hanging out with you until 2 o'clock. In for Carmen York today. Talked a lot of bears in that first hour. Courtney Cronin joined us. Surprised us a little bit with the idea or notion that Matt Eberflus could be extended if you wanted to change OCs out. But then that would make the job a little bit more desirable if you're looking for somebody that you could hope would maybe take this gig Mm -hmm. and not just somebody who is taking a job because they have no other options. I, that does make sense, but both of you and I were, I think, immediately, it, immediately recoiled at the yeah, idea of that. It makes sense if Flus was a great coach. You know, if every if everything else was perfect. Or and an he, average coach. Or not, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes, yeah, but, yes. like, if everything else in his tenure was like, hey, this is great, then fine. We just, hey, like, I made the, I made the wrong call on the O.C., I got that part wrong, but everything else looks great. Everything else hasn't been great. Hasn't even been remotely great. No. So I think you got it. You got to make a change. So, which leads us perfectly to a, I don't know if I, I think we called it like a four-pronged attack for a, the Bears offseason. A pipe dream. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. That's what those are called. Okay. Uh, which, is, the step one is Harbaugh, right? Like, I, I don't know what it's going to take or if it's even possible. I remember seeing uh, a report a week or so ago. That said, Michigan has a ten-year, hundred twenty-five million dollar offer for him on the table. Uh, Going to be hard to beat that, but he's had quotes about you know, like not necessarily shutting the door on the NFL. Yeah, if anything, that that if any, more than anything seems like that's where the Bears would draw the line. Is like an absurdly expensive contract, guaranteed money for their head coach because yeah. they've notoriously never wanted to hire head coaches with head coaching experience in the NFL, they're always happy to... Uh, John Fox is the only one, in fact, mm-hmm. in the history of the Bears who they have hired who had had head coaching experience in the NFL before he got to the Bears. Everybody else is always a hot young assistant who is who not... Who hot. Who's not going to... Yeah, who <laughs> yeah. ends up not being hot, but who doesn't command the big right. dollars. Jim Harbaugh actually was asked yesterday about the idea of potentially going to the NFL next season. This was his response. Such a one-track mind. That's our. Uh, that's the way we've gone about things. It's um, literally whatever day we're in, looking to get the most out of it, dominate the day. Then we'll go to sleep tonight and wake up tomorrow and see if we can't dominate that day. Um, it's a single-minded group. And, uh, it's very focused on just taking care of business today and see if we can't do the same tomorrow. I love that. Not, not, He's such a weirdo. Like all of his comments and dominate quote, the day. Yeah, it, which, as a fan, I would eat that That's up. That's such a, a football coach move. Oh, it's great. I lo- I love those type of quotes, and it sounds like he believes it. You know, like it's those are just it's like he could talk to his son about it. it's Cheerios that way. Like we're gonna dominate the day, eat that bowl of Cheerios, and uh, and finish your milk if you're a Jim Harbaugh kid too. And that's just like I need him in here, and I do. Have you heard that? Uh, story about him at Stanford 
Uh, which one? Well, he when he first got there, he's like, you guys are such losers, and I can't figure out why you're such losers. So all of your um, yes, yes, all of your all your traditions are now banned God, until yes. I can figure out what makes you guys such losers. And that to me is like that's what we need here. So go up to George McCaskey's office, do whatever you have, figure out why we're such losers here because we are. It's been forty years of being losers my entire life, mm-hmm. and I think Harbaugh is the guy to fix it. If they could land, the question for me is just, you know, does he really want to be in the NFL, right? Or is this just a. I think if he wins the championship, then it's like, I did what I was brought in to do at Michigan. I, you know, I lost that Super Bowl to my brother. If I was, were a Bears fan that had Harbaugh's number, I would just send him like the box score from that Super Bowl, like every day until he comes to back to the NFL. And now, to your point, if you're a Bears fan, then maybe you should be rooting hard for. Michigan in the playoffs. I'm all over you know, Michigan. Alabama yes. is going to be you know a tougher opponent than uh, Florida State would have been. That's yep. for sure. Um, and then what's the other three prongs of your attack well, here, of your pipe dream? I, I am on record that I don't really like Caleb Williams. I don't really like Drake May. I think there's got to be another solution there. And I, I, I like J.J. McCarthy. I didn't realize that he was so polarizing on Twitter. I had this take out there the other day. So I would draft Marvin Harrison. You can't have the number one pick and miss on it. If you have a top pick and you miss on it, that's something that really sets your franchise back. I think all, I think the quarterbacks have some black marks on them. Um, and I'm trying so hard not to see Mitch Trubisky when I look at Drake May with those <laughs> Carolina blue and the number 10 and all that. I'm trying not to hold that against him, but it is difficult. But if you get Marvin Harrison, who uh, it would almost be impossible for him to be a bust, you get him in there, and then you draft. I I, I think when they go through the pre-draft process, if McCarthy comes out and he's in the workouts, he's going to look great in shorts. And I do think that he will quarterbacks. I think they're. I think he's going to be the third quarterback taken. Jaden Daniels. You think he jumps? Jaden Daniels. I think when they're at the combine, it's like, hey, throw this ball. You know. Opposite from the opposite hash on a mm-hmm. twenty yard out, I think McCarthy's going to do that better, and I think people will get enamored with him. And I'm one of those people. Well, and you know, right now I think the Bears sit with the is it the eighth pick right now yeah. where they where they sit with their current record, mm-hmm. and they've got a shot to win you know a game or two here to close out the season against the Falcons and the Packers. So they could even move back with their yep. with their second pick, which will be from their spot. Uh, JJ McCarthy, Jaden Dan. It's a, it's a quarterback rich draft. It's it's you know. Is it though? Well, I, listen. I mean, the 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 guys who scout yeah, people. It's a, right. it's you've got Caleb. Whether you like them or not, mm-hmm. Williams and May, they're thought of as two guys who are who would definitely be worth the number one overall pick. Now, obviously, yeah. that's got to play out. We'll see. But it doesn't feel like a Cam Newton, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck type of Peyton Manning where it's like these are slam dunk. You know, like these guys are going to be great players. They, they don't, do they feel like that level to you? I don't know. I'm still, I'm still okay with Caleb Williams. I always feel like uh, the off-platform stuff that he, he's yeah. capable of. He, like, I know some folks are like, well, you know, with you're having issues with fields staying on, on time, the freelancing yeah. stuff. I think Caleb Williams inside the pocket is so far and above what Justin Fields has displayed that I'm okay if you deem him the guy moving forward with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't love... I'm kind of like with you with that, with Drake May. I'm a little bit scared about him and the idea yeah. of him moving into the number one. I'll pick, hey, look, J.J. McCarthy, he's a local kid. You know, Nazareth. Naz? Yep, yeah, yep, I yep. love that. Played about a mile from where I live yep. growing up. So, uh, you know, that... 
Yeah, and I don't Hometown care where... Hometown kid, that'd yeah. be a great storyline. And, and Harbaugh, and people like dismiss this comment that Harbaugh like, well, this refers is, I, to I him think as I luck. saw you uh, put this out there, mm-hmm. and I thought this is maybe the biggest thing in McCarthy's favor if you're somebody who supports this. Yeah, and, and, and look, and if you remember Harbaugh with Andrew Luck at Stanford, mm-hmm. they weren't slinging it all over the place. No. Like, Toby Gerhardt, that running back, number yes, seven, yeah. he was a Heisman finalist. I think he finished second in the Heisman that year. So, like, he's still going to do Harbaugh ball, which is a lot of times it's, what is it, 12 personnel, two tight ends, and we're going to maybe a fullback. We're just going to run it down your throat, and we'll play action you to death. And McCarthy, I look, if you object to taking him in the top 10, fine. But I think he's going to be taken on the first day. And so, and I, I do think that he's, he's not even 21 years old mm-hmm. yet. Uh, he's got a lot of experience already. He's going he's gonna to get better, and he has the raw tools. And I want a guy... I want a guy that that doesn't care that he only threw it eight times against Penn State. You know, like, yeah, winning, winning yeah. above all else. Yeah, and it, and and just doing it, doing the job, and he does the job effectively. And he's got, I think, he has more than what he's shown. And you see some of those throws against Ohio State where he just he lasers it in there. And uh, the one thing I'll say too in McCarthy's favor is that when you're running that offense. He doesn't have the opportunity to truly get into a rhythm, right? Like, totally. there's something to be said for, you know, if you look at the completion percentage and you mm-hmm. say, listen, he's not, putting up, he's not <laughs> yeah. putting up, yeah, but he's not putting up the video game numbers mm-hmm. that guys like Daniels and Caleb Williams yeah. did, but that's because he hasn't had the opportunity to do so. Totally. And then also, historically, when you have these guys that run that, you know, air raid offense, Mahomes sure. is the only one that has translated into the NFL. So the, all the Lincoln Rileys, all the um, you know, all those types of guys. Baker Mayfield, not really. Although he's had a nice year, but he's on what is the third or fourth team now. Mm-hmm. And those air raid quarterbacks that put up the insane numbers in college very seldom translate. I do think people are always looking for the next Mahomes because he's so incredible. I don't think there is a next Mahomes. Yeah, no. And people always try to be like, oh, Caleb Williams, he's the next Mahomes. No, he's not. Yeah, like, there's only not. there's yeah. only one of those guys, and so it is Patrick, and he's got Andy Reid, and he had all the talent in the world around him. He was set up to be successful, which is something the Bears have never really done. To that point, whenever someone says, you know, Caleb Williams is a generational talent, do you forget that Patrick Mahomes currently plays in the NFL, right? And they're yeah. a member of the same generation, right? Like they th- that term gets thrown around way too loosely, yeah. In my opinion, let's try Vince, who's in Gray's Lake, wants to talk a little bit about the Bears and drafting Caleb Williams. Vinny, what's going on, man? What's going on, gentlemen? You tell us. Uh, so I agree. Uh, Caleb Williams is not a generational talent. Um, he's not even in the best conference in college, and we're talking about ownership of potential teams that we're getting drafted at. Smells like uh, LeVar Ball written all over it. I'm exhausted listening to all this. Why don't we just hedge our bets, not draft any quarterbacks, draft that Marvin Harrison Jr. at one, you know, the best O-line minute, that second pick at eight or nine or whenever it's going to be, and we hit the ground running. But... And go, and go forward with Justin Fields. Absolutely. Because his, his floor, we know what it is. But we don't know the ceiling. We have yet to have an offensive co- uh, coordinator to unlock his skill set and talent and make a real philosophy around him like, let's say, Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Sure. We haven't had that here. The first four games of the season, gentlemen, 
That was a setup. We know that. <laughs> I hear we you, Vince. We know that. Yeah, I, it was bad. I'm totally fine with, with, call, with that line of thinking. The only problem is if you're looking around corners, you're going to have to pay Justin Fields. Yes. It, and, and then that really upsets your, your whole cap structure because they're building something nice on defense. They still have a ton of cast base. Yeah. But if, if, if he's not the guy and you pay him, well, then you're really in trouble. It's decision time, and I think the problem is I, he's, he has not done enough to prove to me that you would want to pick up that 50-year option, right. which will be about $23 million. And while that's not crippling by any means, no. it's it's a lot of money for a guy who you're still going into you know, games going, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to get on a game-in and game-out basis, and you're certainly not going to sign him to a $200 million extension. Mm-hmm. So what that sets you up for next year, if you decline the option, is the Daniel Jones nightmare scenario. Exactly. Where you bring him back next year, not with a 50-year option. He plays pretty good, and then all of a sudden you're signing him to a deal because you, he's he's got you over a barrel, and you're like, oh my god, do we want to sign him to forty million dollars a year? Cousins a free agent after this year? He is. Ooh, interesting. That's a thought. A little stopgap. Draft a quarterback. Kirk Cousins as your stopgap because I do think they need to win. Yeah, they need to start winning. No, and they, yes. and they got enough talent around. You know, whoever the quarterback is on both sides of the ball. The, the offensive line has been very good the last five weeks. And so if you, if some, this guy wants to draft Joe Alt, you know, or, or the kid out of Penn State, fine as your left tackle of the future and, and kick Braxton Jones inside or whatever, figure it out. But they have, the offensive line has been playing well. If you do that, you know, I, I think Kirk Cousins and a JJ McCarthy on the bench for a year is, is a pretty good solution. Let's go to Michael, who's in Winfield. Mike, what's up? You're on Carmen York with uh, Meller and Barstool Chief in for the guys. Hey, fellas. So, first of all, like, Iberflus, he bothers me on so many levels. But the fact that he's taken this defense and kind of made him a top-five defense, I would like to see him, you know, the head coach – He's supposed to have cohesion. He's not supposed to necessarily be the offensive play caller or defensive play caller. He's supposed to be like the boss, the mm-hmm. boss of everybody. So I don't like the fact that he's not pulling Getsy aside and saying, like, listen, man, we got to throw the ball. Like, you can't run, run, punt with eight minutes left with double-digit lead. We've already seen that happen where we lose it so many times. So that part I don't like. If they give him an extension, I wouldn't mind it. I would like to see an offensive coordinator, but – this is my thing. I'm a huge Justin Fields fan, and I think drafting Drake May or Caleb Williams would be a huge mistake, and I look at it from this, this perspective. If you go into next year with Justin Fields and you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and Alt or the kid from Penn State with your two first-round picks, I would rather have Marvin Harrison Jr. and one of those left tackles and have Justin Fields not pan out and then go get Kirk Cousins or somebody else than I would to draft a Drake May or Caleb Williams and miss out on Marvin Harrison Jr. Because yeah. I think this kid's going to be like a, a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase. Sure. Like, yep. You maybe, can't miss it. Maybe, can't a, miss maybe a Marvin Harrison. <laughs> he yeah, he I mean, reminds me a lot of Marvin Harrison, yeah, only a taller. Bit. A little taller. taller. And, 
And he's bigger, faster. He's, I mean, yeah, he's kind of like, close to like he looks like Randy out there, Randy Moss. A yeah, little yeah bit. like yeah, like Listen. Megatron. Like you can't yeah. miss on a guy. You could go find a quarterback later, but like missing out on on Marvin Harrison, like yeah. I think that would be a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. And honestly, with a new offensive coordinator and these guys and DJ Moore and Cole, I mean, Who, who's higher in that offensive coordinator would be my question for you. Because do you trust Flues to make that hire after he's? flopped on both coordinators yeah that's the question i think i think it would be more of a pulls and kevin warren decision i don't think mm. eber would necessarily have a lot of say the truth is well, um i hear you mike but that's that, a red that's, flag that's <laughs> that's not the way it generally works though in the yeah. nfl you can't have your gm being the guy who hires the, yeah. the coaching staff for the head coach mm-hmm. if you do that you're immediately setting yourself up for you know a situation Getting where yourself fired. there's a lot of problems in that <laughs> yeah. uh, in that scenario 312-332-3776 talking about the bears and their future. Up next, we have the old staple here on Carmen Yerko, which I'm going to explain to Barstool Chief how it works. McKnight at the Movies on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. Carmen and Yerko are back. No, no, no. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. No. Brandel, a.k.a. Barstool Chief, here on ESPN 1000. We are in for Carmen and Yurko today, but it is the Carmen and Yurko show, which means it's that time of the week, a Thursday, right around 115, 120, when we play the game that I'm going to introduce to Barstool Chief, and that is, of course, McKnight's at the Movies. Be familiar with this game. You explain it to me a little bit. My understanding is it's play-by-play of a movie, and then you guess based on uh, what he says. Pretty much, yes. Okay. You are a quick Directionally learner. correct. Yes, yeah. for the most yeah. part. So for yeah. those who are unfamiliar, though, the game goes like this. Connor McKnight, the man who you hear doing pre- and post- and occasionally play-by-play on White Sox broadcasts. We are your home of the White Sox, of course, not just the Chicago Bears, but the White Sox as well. Connor McKnight takes his play-by-play skills and then uses them to give us a play-by-play of scenes from classic cinema. That's what we do. We'll have three opportunities to guess which great film that Connor is referencing. And then if you are the first correct caller, or I'm sorry, yes, the first correct caller at 312-332-3776, you will secure yourself a four-pack of tickets to Flatland Cavalry Wandering Star Tour. At Joe's Live at Rosemont. They're awesome. They're awesome. They uh, they opened, uh, I saw them at Soldier Field last year. Uh, that's why I went. I can't even remember who the headliner was. Okay. I left after Flatland Cavalry. They're spectacular. So there you go. You yeah. get the uh, Barstool Chief endorsement there. They're live. Means again. a lot, that endorsement. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's the, Actually, I think that's the first time I've actually heard you give that a ring yep. endorsement. So um, they are going to be uh, the Wandering Store t- Star Tour at Joe's Live Rosemont on January 27th. So first correct caller when you hear that. All right. Jack McGrath is on the board. Jack, take us away. Get us started. Our scene opens on a walk and talk. A man and his daughter have stumbled upon something they perhaps shouldn't have. Now they and us 
are being given the exposition we all deserve. Frankly, this movie could have had another hour of exposition, and I probably still wouldn't get it. The dad is now being guided through this strange place by an older man, an academic. They dance through this heavy explainer with high-quality work. Some fine acting here. So, as you can tell, Ryan, this is your first foray into this McKnight at the movies. The first clue is always a bit more difficult. It Mm -hmm. should hopefully get progressively more easy as we go forward. Do you have any inkling of where Connor could be going? I have a thought. Okay. Um, Of a possibility? I have a thought. But Uh, I I wonder if this... I don't know if the movie I'm thinking of is good enough for this. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know what? I may be leading you in it. Like, like Connor... He he goes. He's he's he sprays to all fields. Mm-hmm. It could be classic cinema. It could be classic comedies. It could be everything and anything. Okay. As long as it's a film, so it might be. You might be on the right track here. Um, I don't believe we have a correct color just yet. So let's go ahead and move forward to clue number two. A bit on our actors. These two are heavyweights. The main, the younger, has fully transformed from rom com hunk. To Oscar winner at this point. He'd pull his second of three knobs for this role. The older guy bagged up his Oscars years before this, four nominations, and he just hung them up. Also in the movie, but not in the scene, Andy Sachs, Molly Bloom, Sarah Goldfarb, Dr. Dick Solomon, Moadib, Seneca Crane, Austin Dennison, and Morgan. Hmm. Any more clarity for you there? Well, I'm throwing my first guess out the window. And I have, I feel like, I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but I, yeah, I'm still lost. I'm still very lost. I think we might have a winner, but I'm not completely sure about that. Let's uh, go ahead and uh, see if we can get that third and final clue, and then we Back will to our scene. unveil. The old man is detailing all the horrible things that have happened to the earth. This movie is set in the future, not the too distant future, though. We can still see our own fledgling existence The younger man talks about hope and belonging here on the planet, but the older guy, clearly a scientist, he knows better. We're about to embark on a wild adventure to save mankind, but we're not talking about a Michael Bay flick here. No, we'll need several Reddit threads and a Nolan superfan or two to talk us through this one. Yes, Maybe get a hold of Black. Still, it's a solid space flick with time travel and a good soundtrack to boot. Great score. I know the movie now. All right. yeah. Twitch has I, got it. Twitch has had it since the second clue, and now now we got a caller as well as got Twitch it. Is, Twitch does not have it. I think, uh, who is, is it uh, Kirk or is it caller line 10 here? Who's our winner? Oh, I think I see it. Uh, Rick, right? Yeah, line Rick's three. got it. All right, Rick, I'm going to punch you through, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you guess. Who is Connor McKnight giving us, what, what film is he giving us the play-by-play of, Rick? Uh, Interstellar. Bingo. There you go. Good on well, you, Rick. Well, I said bingo, but I'm not even sure if that's the right answer. No, I, I think I think we've uh, we figured it out. Context it is. clues. I had it five seconds. Ago. I was All right, good, so, good. See, so that's that's how you know the super fans of movies know. Thanks for the thanks for the call, Rick. You are the winner of McKnight at the movies this week. Again, he picks up a four pack of tickets to Flatland Cavalry, the Wandering Star Tour at Joe's Live Rosemont on January 27th. All right, so there you go. That's yeah, enjoy works. that concert. Well learned. Uh, all right. Let's continue to roll on here. Lots of folks want to chime in and discuss the idea of Matt Eberflus potentially getting an extension as Courtney slipped in there when we were talking to her earlier today in the noon hour. Uh, we 
I just asked her, hey, mm-hmm. is there a possibility that Eberflus could be back with a new OC? And if that's the case, how would that play out? Would any good OC want to come here knowing that Matt Eberflus would be on the hot seat? And that's where she unveiled, well, listen, it's not out of the question that he could land an extension if that's the way the Bears choose to go. Getting which triggered. Both, which both you and I immediately recoiled at. But nevertheless, uh, it's interesting to ponder that. Let's um, go on out to Jim, who is in Palatine, wants to talk about that. Jim, what's going on, man? Yeah. Um, talking about that Fields deal. Yes. I don't know why they say either or. The Bears have one more year control over our fields. Mm-hmm. They draft one of the top five quarterbacks, bring him in to compete with Fields and Badgett for the starting job. So, starter. I'll stop. I'll stop you there, Jim. That's the one scenario that no, I, I you can't. Here's the reason: asset management in the NFL. Yeah. You can't bring Justin Fields back and draft a quarterback in the top five. And if you let him compete, what if Justin Fields wins? It, then he wasted a first round, well, a high it, draft pick on a guy who's never going to play. Theoretically, let's be honest too. How does that play out? Even if at some point in the season. There will be a, a moment when Justin Fields is like, I'm sorry, he's not going to turn into Jalen Hurts, you know, next year with a quarterback sitting, you know, behind mm-hmm. him looking over his shoulder. No chance, yeah. That's a disaster waiting to happen. That's the one scenario where if you've you've already you have to make your decision on Justin Fields this year. If you want him to be the guy, fine. Either you trade that first overall pick and get a lot more, ca- you know, or you know, yeah. capital back. You try and, you know, manipulate the draft so you can maybe draft Marvin Harrison a little bit later. Whatever you do, um, that's the way. Oh, you know what? I'm getting news. That was my bad. This is where I've been too far removed from the McKnight at the movies. Uh, I was here when it initially started, Rye, mm-hmm. but apparently Yurko is Yurko's listening. We appreciate uh, his patronage on his show, even yeah. though he's got the day <laughs> off. He's right. I completely botched that E1 on the host here. Um, Jack, you should have called me out on it too, man. Don't be afraid. If I botch it, let me know. I forgot to play the unveiling of the classic clip Jack, can we do that now? Yeah, we can play it. All right, my bad. Jack McGrath. This is a really fun segment, though. It is. is. If if played correctly, I had completely forgotten how you do it, so that's on me. Um, But here is the reveal of the actual scene from Interstellar. I heard they shut you down, sir. We're refusing to drop bombs from the stratosphere on the starving people. When they realized that killing other people was not a long-term solution, then they needed us back in secret. Why secret? Because public opinion wouldn't allow spending on space exploration. Not when you're struggling to put food on the table. Blight. Wheat, seven years ago. Okra, this year. Now there's just corn. And we're growing more than we ever have. What, with likely uh, potatoes in Ireland and the wheat in the Dust Bowl? The corn will die. Soon. Find a way, Professor, who we always have. Driven by the unshakable faith, the earth is ours. Well, not just ours, no. But it is our own. Earth's atmosphere is 80% nitrogen. We don't even breathe nitrogen. Blight does, and as it thrives, our air gets less and less oxygen. 
The last people to starve will be the first to suffocate. And your daughter's generation will be the last to survive on Earth. See, it's much better when you actually have the conclusion to the entire movie. Um, it, it, it seems to, it just ties it in. Nice little, yeah. yeah, ties everything in a nice little bow there. Makes me want to go so, back and watch that movie, too. Thank you. I was yeah. thinking the same thing, actually. Thank you, Yurko, for uh, uh, navigating this ship. Yurko listening makes me a little nervous. Does so it? I'm, yeah, I'm sitting in his chair. There you, you are. Yeah. You are indeed. Barstool <laughs> Chief. Those are, that's a big chair to fill, my friend. Yeah, well, I, the, physically I can fill it just fine. <laughs> you, let me tell you, you're doing fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. Uh, so there you go. There is the interstellar scene that Mc, uh, Connor McKnight was doing the play-by-play of on McKnight at the movie. See, everything just falls apart when you're not here. You're, thanks for uh, checking in, though, and letting us know how the game is played. I'm Jeff Meller. He's Barstool Chief. We are in for Carmen and Yurko, taking your calls, talking Bears with you on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Carmen and Yurko are back. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Jeff Meller hanging out with you in for Carmen York today. We'll be back tomorrow as well. We were just batting around our favorite Christopher Nolan films. Spurred on by Connor McKnight's uh, rendition of Interstellar in the uh, last McKnight at the movies that we just had there. We were tossing that around a little bit. And I was also pointing out to Chief, he's sporting the Chicago Bears cap that Chevy Chase wears in Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which I actually revisited last night with my wife and my kids who saw it for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, you know what? Hadn't watched it in a long, long time. And it didn't hold up for me as much as it had in the past. What if you watched it on December 23rd? You're still in the throes of Christmas spirit. No, I I don't think it would have done much. Uh, there's there's something to be said for the magic of Christmas. December 28th, I still feel like we are in full, uh, you can still enjoy the Christmas feel yeah. around the city. We've got all the Christmas decorations up, and they will be for at least probably another month. I so. think I'm taking my tree down today. What? Yeah, it's, it's getting a little brittly and dry. And... Oh, you went real tree. Oh, I always oh, go yeah. real tree. Okay, well, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, uh, you know classic uh, fake tree, fall tree. Okay. So all right. uh, no need to rush it down. It could stay up all year long. I think if I had a fake tree, I might just never put it away. Because my parents have a a fake one. I think it's heavy. comes in like four pieces. You Mm -hmm. get a little finger pinches, clicking it all together. I would just, ah, that's a project. (laughs) But if it's a real tree, it's like, I don't know, something It might start. Yeah. You might start a fire very quickly. Might start a fire. Something might be living in there at this point. I got to get it out. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. My only Christmas decoration rule of thumb that I, I like to practice when possible is I don't like the Christmas decorations going up before Thanksgiving. I think that's fine. I personally want to wait till the day after, then it's perfectly cool. My wife and I have had huge debates about this in the past. She is a huge fan of Christmas. She likes to get it up and up and early. And uh, and you're a Grinch. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I don't like it infringing on my Thanksgiving. Yeah, I Thanksgiving just want to season. I just want to wait till the day after. That's my only uh, caveat. I and, I think if you want to go mid November. Mm. 
get the festivities rolling. Otherwise, it's just you got the same pumpkins out from Halloween. Yeah, see, I think that's that's where you have to be a Thanksgiving Thanksgiving decoration person. You get yourself a giant blow up turkey and throw that out in the lawn, and uh, that's a, that's America you're, right you're there. Bridging yeah. the, you're bridging <laughs> the gap. Yeah. Ah, he's Barstool Chief. I'm Jeff Meller. Uh, talking Bears with you as well. Let's try Tom, who's in Oak Lawn. What's going on, Tommy? What's up, Miller? What's up, Chief? Uh, first of all, uh, great win against the uh, Booze Ponies. I've, I've said it before. Thank I'll you. say it again. Uh, Kelly Keeks is probably the uh, best free agent acquisition in dozen history. Definitely the best one since, like, Marion Hosa and John Lester. Yeah. Like, she, <laughs> right, she's right incredible. Yep. <laughs> now, um, I, I hear all these people and everything only here in Chicago where you have the chance to have the number one overall pick. And there is a quarterback, which we haven't had in years. We haven't had, like, a real elite quarterback. Even right now, Fields, he's, he's good. He's okay. But he's, you wouldn't really consider him a great or elite quarterback. And you have one right here where, like, 90% of GMs says that he's a generational talent. And people forget he uh, he's also won the Heisman. But, you know... The only game that uh, people here in Chicago has ever watched is the one where he played uh, Notre Dame. against Notre Dame yeah. this year. So, and because of that, nobody wants them. And it's almost like it's almost like we have Stockholm syndrome. It's like, well, we've never had a quarterback. That's not how we win. We, we'll ruin we, him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll ruin him. Yeah. we'll just have a let's just win with a great defense. So just because we've never had an elite quarterback or even a chance to draft an elite quarterback doesn't mean we should be afraid to try to do something different and actually draft the the player that everybody says or most people mm-hmm. say is mm-hmm. a generational talent and such. And yeah. obviously, too, this is the caveat of that we've got to go. We've got to scorch earth and just get rid of. Eberflus and the whole coaching sure. staff and just bring in a whole new coaching staff in order to coach this kid up because even if we keep Eberflus and we say, well, let's bring in another offensive coordinator, well, I don't think Eberflus is a good defensive coordinator. I don't think he's a really good head coach. I, well, I, Tom, there's something to be said for that, I, I think. I think I think he's proven that he, with what the turnaround since they've added Montez Sweat, mm-hmm. that the Bears' defense does look like one of the top ten defenses in the league since the addition of Sweat. Yep. The secondary is really good. They're, yeah. I think, a top five secondary and in football. And it's young, too. You could, their worst player in the secondary is Eddie Jackson yes. by like a wide stretch. And you know what? Chances are... He probably won't be here next year. He'll be yeah. a cap casualty, mm-hmm. I think, next year. Um, yeah, they're in, they're in good shape there. So I think the defensive coordinated part, but listen, that's not his job. Right. His job is head coach, and under his regime, it hasn't been good. Correct. I'm sorry. You, you, yeah, and like everyone, everyone wants to point to the last nine games as if the the previous, what do you want, it's 30, 22 or <laughs> yeah. whatever, don't, didn't happen. But even the last nine, it's not like they're 9-0. and oh. Yeah. Like no, I know. There's it's, been problems it's, in the last night. Yes. Including, I feel like the coaching staff has cost this team. Like you can look yes. at three games, yes, which is the difference between making the playoffs and not this year yeah. that are directly tied to coaching decisions. Three historical losses where they've blown leads. Right. And oh, by the way, the opener against the Packers, where 
they didn't really show up. It was a terrible right. effort. They got housed at home. It's a bad way to start the season. Yeah, as when you're the head coach and you've authored right. that. So, um, it, it, you know, and what, nobody cared that they were the worst team in the league last year. Like we all kind of knew the score. That it was a teardown year. They're going to be bad. We kind of want the number one pick. All that kind of stuff. Nobody cared. The, the, I expected progress across the board this year, and we just haven't seen enough of it. No, yeah, and Tom though it brings up an interesting point about how people are afraid to draft a, a new quarterback. I just think. Justin Fields is an extremely likable guy, mm-hmm. but what I get back to is everybody is afraid of the unknown that Caleb Williams or Drake May could be. I keep pointing to the, to Justin Fields what I do know about him, yeah. and that's through three years, he's consistently inconsistent. Yep. And for me, I, year, entering year four, I can't just go forward and say and cross my fingers and hope a new offensive coordinator can be the solution. Yep. That's how I look at it. Not when I've got the number one overall pick yep. likely in my pocket. But like I hate you said this earlier, like that term generational talent. Yeah, no, I'm not going there. Yeah, but but people are, and yeah. Tom did, and many, and it's not just Tom saying that. It's many people say that, and it's when I think generational talent, I think Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. You know Cam Newton, like these guys come. Cam Newton coming out, you know, was he was yeah. he was that, and he was MVP of the league that one year. He, was he just was. got hurt, but uh, they he's. I don't think Caleb Williams is this like I will like I, he has no like no floor, like he can't be a bust. I think he very well could be. The one thing I'll say about Cam Newton is there was enough questions though about him inside the pocket in the offense that the Auburn ran that yeah. I don't think he was thought of in the same light that Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Yeah, were. probably not. He was, that was probably the most dominant season by a college, college quarterback yeah. I had ever seen, uh, and he had the arm talent and he's six six two fifty or whatever he was. So there, I thought he was. If you want to not put him in that class, that's fine. But Trevor Lawrence, I think, was probably close to that class too. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Uh, Caleb Williams, he's. He might be great. I don't, but it's it's a might. It's not like he's well, like we got to get this guy. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Taking your calls on Carmen and Yurko. Up next, college football and in particular one bowl game is doing something wrong. Maybe more than one. I'll tell you what it is next here on ESPN one thousand. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Jeff Meller, Ryan Brendel, a.k.a. Barstool Chief, in for Carmen York today. We're back tomorrow as well, in for the guys hanging out with you during the week between Christmas and New Year's. And we're just talking about uh, in the break here. It is always cool to just be hanging out on State Street, across from the historic Chicago Theater. Great week to be here. And Chick-fil-A. And (laughs) Chick-fil-A as well. Um, and of course, don't forget the Torture Museum, yeah. which has been there. I don't know Whoa. if I've ever seen more than new? one. Or, no, 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 no. That's been hanging out there for eh, three, four years at least. I don't know how I've never noticed it before, but medieval torture. I, I might it, have to check that out. I think it popped up. Nothing like, says Christmas season like the medieval torture. Absolutely. Museum. Yeah. I think it popped up right before COVID. And then all okay. of a sudden, and I'm honestly surprised it's still there, to be honest. I have not ventured in there, but it is uh, something on my to-do list at some point. Well, let's go. Nevertheless, <laughs> right after the show, maybe next, maybe tomorrow we can make a, a day yeah. of it. Um, but 
I mentioned as we were going to break, college football is doing something wrong. There's lots of things college football, I'm sure, is doing wrong. But the one thing they're that, doing everything wrong. Yes, if you ask me. Okay, realignment. Everything's wrong with college football. That's fair. I digress. Uh, at least, hopefully, next year when they move to the 12 team playoff, that gets a little bit better than what they're currently. Yep. The four teamer, which just you know, when you've got a power five conference, you're automatically excluding one of them. It always seemed to make no sense to me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I digress. The one thing that is such an easy fix to me that drives me crazy, the Duke Mayo's Bowl. Listen, I know everybody knows the only reason to really tune in to the Duke Mayo's Bowl, aside from, you know, something to gamble Gambling. on, <laughs> is the conclusion when the winning coach takes the Mayo bath and sits down. And to me, it is such a no-brainer that the losing coach should be the person who has to take the mayo bath. That you should be coaching your balls off to try and avoid taking the Duke that's mayo gross. ball. It I, is. I don't hate mayo. I don't hate mayo. I, I, I don't. Chicken, I, I love, hate it. I, hate I love it. chicken salad. I'll, I hate I'll mayo. have mayo. I don't want to. I don't want to be have a five gallon bucket dumped on me. And like. Did the producers of this bowl game not watch Nickelodeon growing up? Right. If you lose, you get slimed. You lose, you You get get, slimed, and that's the way it should be. Uh, So, Dude, that is such a perfect parallel. Yes, absolutely. When you lose, you take the sliming, you take the mayo bath. You should not. Family double dare rules should apply to bowl systems. Absolutely. I love it. You should. That's a. Beautiful. Perfectly said. You should not have to take the mayo bath if you win. You should be coaching to avoid it. I almost feel like the winning coach should get to dump it on the losing coach. Like Even I, Get everybody involved and that... Even better. I would about, tune in. So yesterday, and then, you know, you take it one step further. Yesterday, USC wins in conven- convincing fashion. And sure enough, uh, when your quarterback who steps in for Caleb Williams, who sat out, throws for six touchdowns, all of yeah. a sudden a lot of people are like, eh, Caleb Williams, see? How good is he? But then Lincoln Riley takes the eggnog bath. Yep. Same deal. Guess what? If you're playing in the Holiday Bowl, I think the losing coach should have to take an eggnog bath as well. Not the winning coach. I think you could convince me Not that as gross as mayo, eggnog. I'll give you that. It's a it's a worse word. The word eggnog sounds gross. Yes. I think that's, it's got a branding and a marketing problem because the, the drink yes. itself is not terrible. You're right about that. Yeah. yeah. But it's a celebratory drink. So I think you could it could be like, you know, when you win the pennant and you're spraying champagne, like this could be our version of that. We won. We're... We're taking an eggnog bath. You could talk me into that. The mayo is a punishment. The mayo yes, has to be absolutely. a Absolutely. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Later on tonight, we'll be bringing you the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Which have you will seen be that joined- trophy? I have. It's a, it's, a to- it's a football toaster with yes. two live, like, you know, fresh Pop-Tarts in it. Yes. It's a great, great game. It is. That will be joined in progress here on ESPN 1000 right after Bears Weekly concludes. I wonder, though, could you do a the filling of Pop-Tarts, a filling bath? For the loser, although that's actually one of the one of the the you know you're gonna have like the loser of the Rose Bowl walk across thorns like what like how far how far Let's are you gonna take it. this yeah absolutely <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. we're full of ideas here making the bowl yeah. season better yeah. you need something I think just to make it a little bit more interesting because there was a time during my youth when every bowl game actually kind of mattered yep. and now we're to the point where if you're not playing in the playoffs none of them matter and in fact most of the key players sit out if you're yeah. not in the playoffs yep well, i so, mean we saw that that's a, kind of across the board every team i feel like christian mccaffrey was like the first guy yeah to, uh, uh, i think it wasn't the rose bowl it might have been the year after and he sat out and everyone like killed him for it 
Yeah, because he was the first. Yeah, and now it's just an accepted thing. Well, I do think that that should be a wrinkle that these schools look at with the NIL money. Mm-hmm. Being like, look, we got you for 14 games. <laughs> you know, like you have you have an obligation to play that last game if we're giving you all this money. Well, maybe it'll get a, again. Maybe it'll get a little bit better because now the Bulls will be yep. assigned in the 12 game playoff, mm-hmm. right? And so there will be a little bit more meaning to more bowl games, but it'll all essentially be a playoff that we're really interested yeah. in anyway. So. Yep. But I, I think that's where college football can definitely use somebody who would oversee this and be like, you guys are doing this all wrong. Yep. You know, you need- they need some millennials. Yes. They need millennials. Well, like, I grew even- up on this. I grew up on, on, on the yes. slime. The yes. slime's awesome. Mark Everybody Summers. Everybody loves watching. Yes. They need a Mark Summers they, in charge to be, to be like, like, hey. No, you're sliming the wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and it, they it, should do that in the Nickelodeon wildcard game. Like, they give out that stupid trophy to Mitch Trubisky, which I think... Big Cat just tweeted until they gave it to him because it was like a fan vote thing. Mm-hmm. But like, if you lose the Nickelodeon playoff game, not only are you knocked out of the playoffs, you're getting slapped. Yes. You're getting that green, you know, nuclear green ooze on you. I'm all for it. Yep. Hey, bring in Mark Summers. Is he still alive? I think he's still alive. Hey, he's got. Yeah, I think he is. He he has like severe OCD. Yes. I know that. I remember watching which, a documentary about that. Which but, is always funny. The guy who... Um, the messiest game yes, show yes, ever. Yeah. ever yes. It's he, like reach into this you know, fake nose with fake boogers and grab a flag out. And Mark Summers just had to be like having a wait. panic attack in yeah, the background. Yeah. <laughs> can't wait to get, get in the dressing room and wash myself <laughs> off of this terribleness. Steam shower. All right. He's Barstool Chief again. Uh, I'm Jeff Meller. We're in for Carmen and Yerko. You know on Carmen and Yerko every day we give you the final word. And I believe Courtney Cronin has... Has that before we bring in Sylvie and Jesse Rogers for crosstalk, we will give Courtney Cronin the final word today. Carmen and Yurko present today's final word. Because you had to be a big shot, did you? You had to open up your mouth. Today's final word. You had to have the last word on Carmen and Yurko. I am confident that they're going to have to link up him with the quarter, with whoever the quarterback is. And if it's a new quarterback, then you end up giving Matt Eberflus probably a contract extension or at least put him in line because you for something like that. Because what has this team always done? Like, always yes. done. And it's just the stupidest thing when you have a a an outgoing head coach with a new quarterback, somebody that he didn't pick, or the new coach comes in and it's a quarterback that wasn't his guy that he inherits. 